Pause I Am Radio with your host, Robert Brining, sharing stories from across the United States and around the world. To join the conversation, call 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. Each week, we'll bring you our exclusive HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Pause I Am Radio. This is Robert Bryan calling from good old cold Philadelphia. I'll tell you what, Thursday, Friday, and uh, Saturday, we had a beautiful weather here in Philly, uh, 80-something degrees, and now I'm sitting here freezing with my heat back on uh, in 40-something degree weather. I just wish Mother Nature would make up her mind and, and decide on whether she wants it to be spring or not. Um, but uh, I'm excited for today's show, the second show back on the air. Um, I have a great guest with me today, um, activist from Tennessee, uh, Brady Del Morris. I met him at Positive Living for the first time um, this past uh, fall. Um, what an awesome guy. Uh, we had a great time at the conference. Um, definitely uh, partaked in a few great conversations. Um, just being a part of that uh, amazing conference that they do there in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. Um, one of the things I uh, did want to talk about is if you missed last week's show, I had an amazing guest, Jennifer Vaughn, was on. Uh, she shared her story. Um, you know, mother of three coming out uh, HIV positive on Facebook and, and disclosing to her friends and family and then to the world and then kind of being shot into this spotlight of activism. And it's like kind of how do you juggle both, um, you know, home life, mother of three, going to soccer games, sports events and you know, working and, and all the above and then still being able to get out there and put out a, a positive message. And Jennifer does that so graciously. And um, I just applaud her. So I, I look forward to uh, seeing her sometime soon. But if you missed it, you can check it back in the archives um, or go to iTunes or just go to our website, com. So I do have today's guest on the line. I see Brady there. Um, again, I told you I, I met him at Positive Living. Um, Immediately we clicked. Um, it, we just bonded. It was uh, it was a, a, a cool connection. It was uh, I can't explain it. It just kind of felt like we we known each other when we hung out. Like we were we were girlfriends, <laughs> and um, you know we 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 had a good time. I know um, he's somewhat I believe somewhat fresh into this kind of uh, role play. So let me go ahead and uh, bring Brady on. Brady, are you there with me? Hi, hi, Robert. Hey, how are you? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. So how's the weather there in Tennessee? I'm sitting here in Nashville, I'm sitting here in Nashville doing just like you are in Pennsylvania with my turning my heat back on. I am wrapped up. I'm trying to stay warm. <laughs> yeah, I was in shorts yesterday, like bitching, like let's put the air conditioner on. and <laughs> It just wasn't happening. Thanks, my partner was like, you. no. I was out my garden and flower beds. Yeah, I was just out outside enjoying the flower beds and getting everything ready. And now here I am all bundled back up and not wanting to move off the couch. <laughs> That's funny. So, um, no, it's, well, it's great to hear from you and great to have you on finally. And, and also, I'm so excited that we're going to be, you know, hanging out and, and both going to Healthy Voices this year. I am so humbled and excited about Healthy Voices. I cannot wait uh, for all the people I'm going to meet and the experiences that we're going to get to have and memories that we're going to get to make. Yeah, um, the the purposeful connections part that is the 
uh, Thursday, since you're, you're flying in Wednesday, right? Uh, correct, yes. Uh, Rebecca, or Becky, um, yeah. sent me an email, and I will be going a, a day early to do that Purposeful Connections. And I'm, again, humbled that I was even asked to, to participate and excited to, to get to see what comes of it. Well, I'll tell you what, they, they, last year when I went was my first year and, you know, they did the, the purposeful connections and Becky runs it, facilitates it. And it was amazing. Um, just to be in a room with the activists that they kind of, you know, brought together to collaborate together. And it's, it's a range of people from all walks of life who are, are, you know, there to, to, to find hope and just to be in that room, it's so powerful. And then to go on to the rest of the conference is just, it like magnifies as you're there the, how important this kind of conference is to connect with other, you know, walks of life. Absolutely, and and the part of advocacy that I was oblivious to and or unaware that would be a result of is just being in a room with when you're around other advocates. It's you're around people who care about other people, and being around and just that kind of energy in the room is just so uplifting and so empowering uh, that that's been a, a very great benefit of, of advocacy that I was not expecting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome. I've made lifelong friendships through people that I've met there um, outside of the HIV, you know, uh, family um, in regards to, you know, right. just the healthy voices itself. You're meeting people, you know, with all different, you know, health conditions who are online advocates and, and being able to brainstorm and kind of bounce ideas off the walls with one another and, and just share, you know, a space. It's, it's, it's something that I, I've never experienced before. Right. And, and me too. It's, it's like, you know, Robert, before my diagnosis back in the day, I, I was, I was kind of fearless. I was an, uh, an extrovert. I still am. Um, <laughs> and I, uh, I was still kind of, I was kind of fearless in life. And then I got my diagnosis and and I just you know I wasn't one of those that was just told I had HIV. I had prepared myself to be told I was HIV positive that day when I went to go to see my primary care physician, and she walked in the room with holding back tears in her eyes and telling me I never thought I would have to tell a patient of mine that they had AIDS, but you have AIDS. And at that moment, my life it came to a screeching halt. I. I left there. I, I I went through the motions of life, but I quit living that day. I, I um, became isolated. I went to a really dark place. Uh, attempted suicide multiple times. Um, and then even after the suicide attempts, I just seen the motions of life, but I was not living. Um, now, were these feelings that you had before your diagnosis, or was this feelings that you had only after? Like, how was life before? Like, what did you get tested? Uh, no, life before. Uh, no, I enjoyed life before. I was, every day was, was a blessing, and I just was happy to be here, and I was happy-go-lucky, had no cares in the world, had no, I mean, I was just really happy-go-lucky, uh, and all that changed that the day that my doctor came in and told me I had AIDS. It, I mean, immediately, Please. I just, I mean, I could even, I could hear just the, the metal walls going up around me, and then immediately i just i felt like even when i was out on the sunniest day the sunshine still wasn't even getting to me um i, I just felt blocked off from everything well you mentioned earlier that you kind of expected the diagnosis um 
why would yeah, you say I, something? Uh, why would you, why did you expect it was there? I can laugh about it now. I can laugh about it now, but I had um, been to a wedding and coming back with some friends, we had stopped at a gay male resort um, in Augusta, Georgia. And it was the first time I'd ever done been at an all gay male resort or anything like that. And um, we'd gotten there late that night. Um, so we just checked into our rooms, went to bed. First thing the next morning, um, we're sitting there waiting for, for breakfast, and this guy puts up this big banner that says, uh, Ryan White of Georgia, free testing today. I was like, oh, you know, it's been about three or four months since my last test. I'm like, yeah, I need to go get a test. Um, so I was the first in line, went in, got my, he did the mouth swab, um, and I'm sitting there with my little uh, page or buzzer waiting for it to go off to go back to get my results. And I walked in, and he told me, had the somber look on his face, and told me, he's like, you have, came back preliminary positive. So when you get home, you need to go see your primary care physician and have an elastic test done and the Western blot and all that. And and then we'll uh, that will confirm whether or not you are actually positive. And I was like, okay. But then I, so when I got that home, That was a buzz kill. It was. It was a buzz kill. It really was. <laughs> that was the entire weekend. It really did. Um, yeah. But then I, uh, but when I got home, I mean, I, I was always, I've always been kind of on top of my health and uh, went and saw my doctor. She did the blood work. And in that two weeks time before my, the results came back, I had mentally prepared myself to be told I'm HIV positive and and I knew that I would be okay. I was educated about HIV, and I, I knew that I would be okay being HIV positive. Or that's what I was telling myself. You know, you're going to be okay. You'll be okay. But then what happened actually come in and look me in the eye, and her holding back tears and telling me I had AIDS. I, for some reason, I don't know why, but that hadn't even occurred to me that that was a possibility or, or a likelihood or an outcome that was going to come from that. And I just was not, I was not mentally, emotionally prepared for for that. And it, well, it that, knocked that, me on stopping my at that Stopping at that resort was definitely a blessing in disguise um, because, I mean, did were you routinely testing before that? Like, what are the chances that you would have went home at some point and got tested again after that? Right, it was a blessing in disguise. Well, I was I was routinely going in every three to four months um, and getting getting tested. Um, oh well, then. But it was, but still though, it. I I I believe that the last negative result that I got was actually a false negative, um, because uh. I was being routinely tested. Um, because when my doctor told me my viral load was over half a million. And my CD4 count was 53. Wow. And my doctor, and I wasn't, and the, at the time, I wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't fatigued. I didn't, I wasn't sick. Um, and for her to look at me, she's like, right now, she's like, you know, your immune system is in crisis. And listening to, <laughs> she started, as doctors have to do, I get, you know, the bad part of the job. She started telling me, you know, if you were to just even get a common cold right now, Brady, she's like, it could kill you. And mm. so, I mean, all these thoughts and emotions, trying to comprehend and, and line all of this out, it was it was literally more than I could could handle at the time. And I, sh- I shut down. Um, I went on autopilot, pretty much. Uh, like I said, I was going through the emotions of life, but I, was, I, I stopped living at that moment. 
Right. Well, one of the things, you know, you talk about is, you know, how the downward spiral of drugs, alcohol, depression. I want to talk about how you got out of that, um, which is, you know, yeah, a, a part of your, the amazing part of your story. Because, you know, a lot of people deal with drug and alcohol um, addictions and depression and, you know, suicidal thoughts. So I want to know how you kind of got over that and, and you know, moved in. Tell me about how, because it happened while you were in recovery, right? Sure. Well, part not really in, in recovery. Um, well, yeah, it happened while I was in recovery, but it was a long process. Um, about five years ago, granted, I was about four years into my HIV, or my HIV diagnosis. Five years ago, I went to the doctor with some major abdominal pain, and and I was like, there's something going on in my body. Well, they were running tests, doing ultrasounds, and and uh everything and they're like well your gallbladder's fine everything looks fine but because i was hiv positive i had taken my health even more seriously like up a notch like several notches and Mm -hmm. i was like look docs there is something not right here and i kept pressing and pressing so finally they decided to go in and do exploratory surgery and when they opened me up they found that my gallbladder had actually died at some point and it had been inside me rotting and so oh there was Lord. some necrotic and, and, and what and all that going on in there. But while they were cleaning all that out, my doctor just happened to notice this little lesion on my pancreas. So he biopsied it. And two weeks after that, I found out I had, um, it was a precancerous pancreatic tumor. And it was the same kind of cancer, my doctor told me, that um, killed Steve Jobs. And that oh, really wow. also was another like a big breaking moment. I'm like, oh my God, um, Steve Jobs with all this money and he didn't make it with this pancreatic cancer. And here I am, this little farm boy from Pocahontas, Arkansas, <laughs> um, wondering where I'm going to get rent next month. And I've got this, it was, uh, it was also, it was, I stopped in my, stopped in my tracks, but I was at, luckily I was in living in Nashville. I had Vanderbilt right here and all the resources and the best doctors in the world. So they went in and did a whip procedure in which they took out a part of my pancreas, part of my stomach, and almost all my small intestine. And it was while I was laying there in recovery from that that surgery that it hit me. I'm like, you know, I, I just had a doctor come and tell me I had pancreatic cancer. And my immediate visceral response was like, I'm going to fight like hell and I'm going to beat cancer. But when I had a doctor walk into a room and tell me I had AIDS, my visceral response was, my life is over. I'm going to kill myself. And it hit me. I'm like, that was put on me by society. And that's yeah. absolutely terrible that we live in a society in which in which cancer is, you know, my, my response was, let's fight it. But when I was told I had AIDS, I wanted to die. And I realized that it was society that put those, that stigma and everything and instilled that stigma into me. And just having that that just juxtaposition of those two different experiences <laughs> happen to me, uh, I was just like, you know what? I'm getting out of this hospital bed and I'm fighting. I'm coming out. I'm, I'm busting open the doors. I uh-huh. am going to do whatever I can to help help eliminate the stigma that exists around this this virus. And so, so, so Brady, let, let me ask, let, let me ask you a question. When you were diagnosed um, with AIDS in 2009, was that your like normal? primary care doctor or was that like a uh, infectious disease doctor that she you was, went to? Or? Was, 
correct. Um, she was the – I'd only been seeing her for about a year because I had just moved to Nashville in 2008. Um, and she was who I set up. Like I said, I was on top of my health from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the primary physician that I had set up and had been seeing a few times since moving to Nashville. Um, but, it was, but of course, now I, I no longer see her. I have my um, – my, I have a new primary care physician who's also my infectious disease or my ID doctor, so. Right, yeah. That's what I was asking because, you know, between the stories I've heard through the years, it it really depends on who the person is giving the diagnosis, which can kind of help or hurt. And I know for me, it was my family doctor, like the doctor that I grew up with going to as a kid. So for him to deliver the news to me, you know, there was an emotional part connection because I've known him for so long in my family, but he also really wasn't, familiar with giving that kind of news, like most family doctors aren't, or primary care, you know, they're not used to giving HIV, I think, diagnosis, so they're not, right. I don't know, as, as maybe sensitive or as educated, you know what I mean, to supply information to newly diagnosed people, if that and makes sense. And you are, you're, you're putting on great, great topics and great points, um, because I think she may have, like, could have been better prepared, like, I had, when I walked out of that room, I had... I walked out of there without any phone numbers, without any information as to where to go next or, or what was going what to, what to expect next. I walked out of there just completely alone. And this, and, and immediately uh, isolated. I, I just immediately yeah. felt isolated. Yeah, sometimes, you know, that's, it's been a, a topic that I've noticed over, you know, a, a few shows that when we speak about it, it's the delivery and, and kind of, I don't know if there's something that can be done, but I think more people like us who are in the doctor's office there to deliver, you know, because I, I feel I, if I want to be told that I'm HIV positive, I'm getting tested. I want to be kind of like cradled, I guess I want to say, and, and okay. educated right at the moment. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to be like, that's, I mean, that's why I became a tester and counselor because once you give that diagnosis, I can then offer you hope by telling you that I've been living with the disease for such and such long. And there's, there's, you know, I'm more on top of the news related to HIV where maybe somebody else who Absolutely. isn't may just know, you know, oh, this is who you go to the local ASO or, and this is uh, information on, you know, support groups. And it kind of leads you at that where sometimes I feel there's more of a conversation that can be had. I, I completely agree. I mean, I know I've, other people out there who who are in um, the HIV line of work uh, who who are not living with the virus and and they are great at what they do but they they are almost always they have a personal connection somehow to HIV mm-hmm. um, but but I do think that that those of us you know like like you like you see every now and then you know we are PhDs uh, we are we have our PhDs in you know, lived experience with HIV. No one knows it better than than us. So, so to to be able to have some kind of peer support or some kind of connection, like you were talking about, you being a tester yourself, I think that's going to that's going to be vital to help help those who are newly diagnosed. And that's why I also became you know a peer peer uh, advocate and peer educator. It I opened my I opened up my Facebook to where now anybody can send me a message or anything like that and lord have i gotten some messages let me tell you but uh i I, I wanted to be i I wanted to be i wanted to be what i didn't have when i was diagnosed i wanted 
and I wasn't, to be honest, with Robert, I wasn't really fully prepared um, when I decided I was going to be an HIV advocate. Um, I hadn't, my skin wasn't as uh, my, my skin wasn't as thick as it needed to be uh, when yeah. I started <laughs> start freaking out. Uh, because I do have a really big heart, uh, a very tender heart, um, and 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 the thing is, it's like I everything that I take in, I I don't it's it's not lost on me. Uh, I any, anything that's told to me or, or what I keep it with me, and um, I I mean I constantly felt like I was. Like like I said, from the moment I walked out of that doctor's office, I almost got isolated and immediately went to a dark place. But I just I felt toxic. I felt like I was a biohazard. I I um, was scared of everything, even though I knew you couldn't you know pass HIV from drinking glasses or from sharing a toilet. You know, I noticed my, found myself like using a bathroom and taking a, a wet wipe and cleaning the toilet seat after myself and. It was there was I had so much internalized stigma that was yeah. uh, really holding me back from life, and I have to say all of that changed though about uh, about three years ago, two three year two years ago yeah two years ago, when I was at a HIV is not a crime conference and we were in the middle of a uh, of a uh, big discussion group and this gentleman spoke up. And was talking about, but I'm undetectable, and I, I can't pass on the virus to my, to my, my partners. There's like zero chance of me doing this, passing on the virus. And I was just like, who is this guy, and what is he talking about? And he's gonna be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> but I left that, uh, <laughs> and and came home, and uh, the, the name of that gentleman was Bruce Richmond, and I started reading up on this undetectable and how you know if you're undetectable you cannot sexually transmit the virus i'm like why haven't i heard this why hasn't anyone told me this and the more that i read about hptn 052 study the partner study and that is when i really felt like i was living again finding out that i could not sexually transmit hiv to a partner um was so liberating for me um, in so many ways, and I, I remember I sit, sit down and sent Bruce a message on Facebook, and I'm like, okay, well, this guy is, he's a, he's a, gonna be a big, he's a star, I'm not gonna hear anything back from him, but I just wanted to send him a quick message and say thanks, because this is really helping change my life, and he wrote me back, and I was just like, I kind of fangirled out a little bit, and again, <laughs> and, um, I have to say the uh, the partnership and the friendship that I have been able to build with Bruce uh, over the past couple of years in and working with helping to disseminate the the U equals U message has also given my life so some great great meaning great meaning. No, yeah, I actually uh, met Bruce for the first time when I met you at Positive Living, um, and I didn't get to he didn't really uh, hang out too much with everybody. He kind of. Uh, I think he was traveling a lot, so he needed to kind of just, you know, just decompress a bit. <laughs> so I didn't well, see him I've too much, but I told him. I've never met a busier man in my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is one busy, busy guy from what I can see online. 
Yes, yes, he is. Crazy. Yes, he is. And, that's and that message is great. Second time. It is, it, is, so, it is great, Robert. Um, and at first, you know, and I have to, to say, you know, when I got into advocacy work, at first it was, it was, I did it because of me, of the way that I was being treated and because of the things that I was being told. And I have to say, that's one thing that I'm also very thankful for, for my advocacy work, is once I got involved, I began to see and became aware of all the other intersectionality that came into HIV, um, you know, race issues, socioeconomic issues, health disparities, um, just all of that uh, has op- sex workers, uh, you know, so many of my own internalized opinions and and what I thought t- to be true were just shattered. And it opened my mind and opened me up to so many other avenues, um, which I hope is, is making me become even a better human being. But um, it, it's been a great journey, great, great journey. So, so and I thought I would be what saying that. It? Be, <laughs> so I, I want to talk a little bit about um, your trip um, overseas, but I want to play your positive message first, um, just so people can um, okay. get a little bit about it. Um, it's one of my favorite ones, Brady. I've actually played it over a dozen times. Um, I play a whole bunch of them. Well, I have a few here that... Say that. Um, Robert, or, uh, Kevin Maloney reached out to me and asked me if I would do this positive message uh, before I went, and I I really didn't know what I what to say or what I would do, and told him that I would do it, yes, just to kind of blow it off a little bit, and I and I forgot about it until I got there, and I did this, did this message on the day or two days before I left and it wound up being more every time I hear it it, it makes me cry thinking about the people because because when I listen to it I don't just I, there's names attached to it for me there's actually yeah. there's people's lives um, attached to it for me it's 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 very special memory very special memory and experience so this was a, a a big thing I mean a lot of people when they when they hear it and you know, just, uh, you have to hear. It. Let me play it first, and then we'll talk about it. So we'll uh, hold on. This okay. Is, uh, all right. Sounds good. <laughs> Brady Dale Morris is a positive message for Kevin Maloney and Rise Up to HIV, and we'll be right back with Brady. All right. I'm trying to get it to work. Let's try one more time with this. All right. It doesn't want to play for me, so I guess we won't be playing it for some reason. Um, so are you still with me, Brady? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Okay, I'm just going to uh, refresh my page. Uh, my computer acts slow a little bit, so I'm just going to do a little quick refresh, and let's see if I can get it to uh, play this time. Here we go. Hey, everybody. My name is Brady Morris. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I, when I was diagnosed as being HIV positive in 2009, I turned right around and tried to commit suicide twice because I thought my life was over. I wanted to just hide from life. I didn't want to do anything. Um, And it took one person coming to me and saying, Brady, I know that you were just recently diagnosed as HIV positive. I was just recently diagnosed. Can you help me? Can you show me, tell me what I need to do next? And that was my light bulb moment. I was like, I do have a purpose. I can help. 
um, and that's turned my life around. I have completely given my life over to service, to volunteer. And as a matter of fact, that diagnosis led me on a journey. And now I'm even in Africa doing <laughs> volunteering, working with children who have been orphaned due to HIV and working with a local women's group, um, an HIV positive only women's group, um, which has been so, so fulfilling. So just because you have been diagnosed with HIV, it does not mean your life is over. There is so much more to keep living for. Stay strong. Love you guys. Say hi, everybody. This is what life is about. Oh, yes, it is, Brady. That is what life is about. It must have been an amazing experience. Uh, tell me how you got involved with that. Uh, luckily, uh, living here in Nashville, there is a there was a nonprofit called uh, Planet Nashville, and they sent me uh, John Lasseter is his name is the creator of, of that nonprofit, and he uh, sent me along with a couple of other people to Africa. Um, one of them was an educator, a teacher, and the other is just a, a, another student uh, wanting to do some good in the world. Her name was Lexus, and we went over there, and I went to represent kind of the HIV aspect of of the issue, and went over there, uh, not really knowing what to expect. And we, you know, host family um, in the slums, side of uh, to the west of Nairobi, and in a little city called Lenana. And I just really, I, there's no words to describe. Um, I thought I was mentally prepared to go to Africa. Um, I've seen, you know, all the National Geographic things growing up. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen pictures, but but we live in all all, all of our senses. Um, when I got over there and actually could could smell the air, um, which and and feel the dirt, and it was a whole whole a whole new experience that I was not expecting. And every day I was just so humbled, especially to be working with this uh, group of, of positive women over there. Uh, I thought I knew what a strong woman was until I until I met this group of women uh, who were meeting in secret at a church to make uh, necklaces and bracelets and purses. Um, because over there, you think stigma is bad here in the U.S. It's amplified a million times in Africa. Uh, because these women, just because they're HIV positive, every job with gainful employment requires a medical pass. And if you're oh, wow. HIV positive, you cannot even clean toilets. You can't even dig a ditch and get paid for it. So these women were meeting in private, making these goods, just so their children could have uniforms to go to school, the children could have food in their bellies, and their children could have a roof over their head. And... um I was able to to make some calls and make some connections and got them connected to uh, a positive women's group in South Africa that uh, I I hope is helping to help better their lives. Uh, I've seen some pictures, and I know that it is a little bit, but it was just very humbling to get to uh, play a little bit of part in in making that connection. Wow. Uh, It it sounds like a very uh, touching experience. It was. It was a very, very humbling experience, and uh, it's not something that I took lightly, and 
am grateful that I was able to be a part of. So tell me what you have going on now. I mean, you're you're involved with a lot of organizations. Um, you know, the big one is the Prevention Access. Pre- pre- I can't even speak right now. <laughs> Prevention Access Campaign. Tell me um, what you have going on. Well, uh, actually, here here lately it has been very exciting. Um, over a year's worth of work, uh, meetings, stress, tears. Uh, throwing things <laughs> in private in my home um, <laughs> as uh, it was all, all validated last week, uh, or was, I say last week, within the last few weeks, couple weeks, um, because uh, we I was able to um, play a small part in getting NACHO, the National Association of County and City Health Officials, um, signed on to, uh, to the U equals U consensus statement. And then last Thursday, both the Metro Nashville Health Department and the Nashville Pride Boards um, have signed on to the U equals U consensus statement. Uh, and for for two organizations in one day, I was I was just beside myself. Uh, oh. It's like I try to tell and Robert, I, one of my life lessons that I've learned is that you you always have to be yourself 100% of the time and be authentic 100% of the time because you never know who's listening. You never know who's around. You never know who's paying attention Um, because it was in my efforts just to try to get Nashville Health Department signed on to U equals U. I was not aware that that director was also a member of the NACHO board and he took it to NACHO and and that's how we were able to get NACHO on board and then um, so it was just a, one of those kind of humbling moments that in just my efforts to try to get one health department, I accidentally managed to get almost 3,000 health departments from coast to coast signed on. And it wow. was like I told Dr. Paul at the time that, it, you know, I'm not here today for me. It's like what this message did for me was, was to bring me out of so much darkness and it was able to to shed so much of of my own stigma of feeling like a, a walking biohazard um and it uh i'm sorry <laughs> no it's fine no i i, I completely understand it was, um it was no longer, i'm sorry but i was i'm trying to say that it wasn't about me anymore it's about all those thousands of people that are out there that are in that dark place where i was mm-hmm. that need to hear this information and 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 so that they have the opportunity to to move on with their lives and to better their lives and and not end their lives like I almost did. It's about all these other people that need and must hear this information. Right, and I think you know that's a lot of why we step out. You know, some, at first, it's as an activist, it's for ourselves. You know, to overcome our fear, our stigma, or maybe you know, help educate our family members and, and, and the people around us. I know that was you know something that I needed to do because I knew if I wasn't educated that the people around me, you know, were not educated as well. So that was kind of why I stepped out. But, you know, that dark places of, you know, they, they've come and gone, you know, for me throughout my early stages of my diagnosis. But that message of you equals you, that you're not going to, you know, transmit it if you take your medication and, and stay on top of it and, you know, 
do all the things you're supposed to do. It's a message of hope. And, you know, it, I'm so glad that you're involved with that. And Bruce has done such a great job. And Bob Leahy and all you guys up there who are really forcing them to sign on. If they're not forcing them, but I mean, getting these people to sign on. If there's an organization who is maybe listening or um, maybe uh, somebody who is listening, you know, knows of an organization that they might want to get signed on, how do they go about doing that? Um, great question, and and it's not even organizations; it's even individuals. If you're listening, and you just want to know more, understand more about what U equals undetectable equals untransmittable, what it means. Uh, go to U equals U, and that's U with equals spelled out. U dot org, and there is just a plethora of information there. There's um, the scientific studies done. Um, you can links there where you can can read the research. There's other information about, uh, you know, like what about viral blips and all this other kind of fear-mongering tactics that some of the gatekeepers have wanted to use or kept, or do use to try to keep us uh, control over us. There's information about that there. And then there's also a, a page where you can sign on to the consensus statement as an organization. Hmm. So there you have it. They can just go, you said U equals U.org and uh... – Capital U equals spelled out, capital U dot org, correct? Yes, U equals U dot org, and it is all there, all there. And so besides uh, other, go ahead. Um, they're more than welcome to either email me or Bruce, and we'll be more than happy to get them that information. Yeah, and they can uh, find you guys, um, if, you know, they follow us on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. It's all linked uh, for today's show, so you'll be able to find uh, Brady and all that good stuff on any of ours. Uh, you know, pages, and they're all linked together so they can find you and ask you questions there on Twitter. Uh, we were taking some questions on Twitter, and somebody asked, uh, Brady, what is uh, what is something you would say to somebody who is newly diagnosed and depressed? Um, first of all, I would say that you're, I would tell them, you know, your feelings are valid. Um, I understand because I've been there. Uh, and I would, I wouldn't offer too many. I don't have a, a fix-all or, or or anything for anyone, um, or or like a statement just to that can make it all go away. I could just say, you know, if you want, you can take my hand and I will walk with you on this journey, and I and I will make sure that I'm there for you every step of the way, so that you're not alone. You know, I, I love how you how you started that out that your feelings are valid. I mean. For so long, so many people think that their feelings don't mean anything. It's just something you hold inside. And and I know for me, you know, as a young gay male growing up, it was, you know, I held a lot of my feelings inside because I was either afraid of being rejected or just, you know, just being, you know, not loved. You know what I mean? And I think expressing our feelings is something, for me, as 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 a, as a young man, it was hard. Yes. You know, because you're always taught to be it tough is, and to and be a man and to, 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 to man up and all that bullshit. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, and, and I'll even say, too, it's, you know, I think a lot of gay men, we are master deceivers because we have to, we learn, we know from a young age that we're gay and we have to become chameleons in society and we learn how to lie and deceive just to make it through and to survive. Um, you know, I, I I know of more than one, one more than one 
memory that I have as a child um, when the boys on the playground would be like, oh, well, you know, you're a fag, you're gay, and being afraid. And so even, so you learn to lie, you learn to deceive to for survival. Yeah. I never thought of it like that, that we really do learn at an early age how to deceive people. All that's all we know. We do it. Yes, we do it out of fear because we we have to we we do it to survive. Um, and it's when once you get and it's an evolution. It, it's it's a process to to become the person that you're you're meant to be without that fear. Um, but it it doesn't happen overnight, and it's not something that we're born with. So. So we have to help foster that. We have to help foster that in our youth. We have to help um, create those those safe spaces for not for everyone to feel feel like their voice is is as important as the next person, whether they're they're white or or whatever. Their voice is just as important as as the person next to them. Their story is just as valid. Their feelings are just as valid. The emotions are just as valid because we're all in this together. We are all in this together we're all in this for the same same fight and the same reasons to end hiv mm. and aids and eradicate it off this planet and we can do it especially today we yeah, have the I, tools we have <laughs> the knowledge we have the ability to do it um and instead of all this you know inter fighting and inter bickering we need to learn how to use these resources that we do have to to, to you know to to make sure that we have uh, you know access for treatment to all uh, you know from diagnosis to immediate treatment um, it's all there uh, and we need to quit fighting for the same pot of money and come together as a community and and make these things happen that's right you know one of the things that um was my favorite part um kind of starting off since we're coming winding down um starting off beginning going back to where we started off talking about positive living was is one of the things that we shared together there which was kind of special for me i thought was we were both um uh you know quilt bearers we were there you know protecting yeah. the quilt and, yeah, and honoring the, the quilt and yeah. it was awesome for me uh to have that experience i've never been able to touch it. I've always looked at it, you know, when I've gone to either the walks or a conference before there's been panels displayed, but I've never been able to actually hold it and, you know what I mean? And really feel the energy from that, 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 you know, that quilt. Right. Well, I will be, I'll even go further. Rob. I had never even gotten to see any panels of the AIDS quilt other than on TV wow. or magazines or photographs. Um, so it was my first time to even be able to actually see a panel of the AIDS quilt. So that in and, in and of itself was pretty emotional and moving for me. And then being asked to be part of the honor guard uh, to display it was, uh, there's no word. Again, there's, you know, the poverty of the English language prevents me from being able to express into words the, the, that, the emotions and the feelings that I was having during that time. So but it was it was special to get to share it, yeah, with you and so many others there at 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 Positive Living. Uh, that was awesome. And I highly recommend anyone who's listening. Positive Living is one of the greatest conferences that goes on. It's it's put on by those living with HIV for those with HIV living with HIV, um, and it's probably one of the most empowering and uh, best places I've ever been to.
I like you say, echo that. And like 400 plus other people who are all HIV positive and you don't get that. <laughs> you just don't get that really anywhere else. It is, so it was, it is by far my favorite conference. conference. Yeah, I've I, I, um, I had... Um, <laughs> no, it, it's awesome. So we actually down to the last minute. Uh, Brady, tell people where they can find you directly. Uh, like, give them your Twitter handle or Instagram or Facebook so they can get a hold of you. Sure, yeah. Um, well, you can find me on... You can, you're more than welcome to follow me on Facebook. I'm almost out of friend slots, so, but you're more than welcome to follow me. Um, it's Brady Dell Morris on Facebook, or you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, um, at Brady Dell 311, Brady Dell 311. That's my birthday. It's always 3 and 11. I've always been my lucky numbers too, but Brady Dell 311. I was curious if you liked the band 311. Right? No, no it was, I, I got that too, but no, it was my birthday. Way before the band. Oh. So <laughs> <laughs> there you have it, Brady. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you in uh, a week and a half. Yes, Robert, I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you so much for your time for or for having me on today. It's 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 been fun, and I miss talking to you, and I can't wait to see you. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Enjoy your Sunday. <laughs> you too, sir. Thank you. And there you have it, Brady Delmars. You can find all links to him on our social media at Pause I Am Radio. Um, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Next week, I'll have a special guest, um, so you'll have to tune in. It'll be a surprise. Uh, follow us on Twitter for more information on that. And I hope you have a great evening, everybody, and enjoy the rest of your beautiful Sunday. Thanks for listening to Pause I Am Radio, your dose of hope. Connect with the show at pauseiamradio.com or on social media, and we'll see you next time.